Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Gun Freedom Radio. I am your host, Cheryl Todd, and I am excited to have Chris Dover. You probably know him as CloverTech, right, on our show today. Chris is a husband, a father, a grandfather, a former tech business owner, lifelong firearm owner, and current owner of CloverTech Productions, a pro firearm media company based out of Texas. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, thank you, ma'am. Thanks for the uh, invitation. Good to be here. Absolutely. Well, I had the huge honor of being on your show a week or so ago, and um, it was such a great conversation. I didn't want any time to pass before we had a chance to talk again. So um, I just, I appreciate all of those, those hats you wear uh, figuratively as I'm looking at husband, father, grandfather, I'm wife, mom, grandma, and uh, what, a, what a wonderful and interesting time of life to be able to take all of our lessons, life lessons, and uh, start instilling them into the next generation. How important is that? to you in what you do with CloverTac and and everything else that you're involved in? I think that it's a big part of it. It's definitely, um, it's definitely a huge part of who I am and and my history. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, you know, moving forward, I I see that we've got to do that. I mean, uh, I I don't remember who said it, but there was a great mind one time that said something about uh, freedom, you know, losing freedom is only a generation away. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course. I can't remember the quote, but something like that. It's, it's very important. Um, now, with that being said, the other thing that we've got to look at, I think, that's important, too, is the, the generations coming up behind us are not going to do things the same way. And so we've got to allow for the flexibility to let them, you know, language for example right what is this thing with bay and all, all of these other words nowadays that that the kids use i, I don't know and all the all the uh, acronyms for things the shorthand the, uh, we're used to lols and things like that i know those but some of these uh, is crazy um so we've got to allow them to do that sort of thing but yes i mean i think we have to guide them and give them the the, the knowledge especially pertaining to history uh, and, and our life experiences and what's went on and things like that, uh, and then let them run with it. And hopefully with uh, the knowledge we've given them and then the knowledge they pursue, uh, they, can, they can do their thing and be the activists and the advocates and everything else of the future. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And when it comes to all those uh, acronyms, like you said, thank goodness for Google, because mm-hmm. I'm constantly on there going, what could this possibly? Oh, okay. Now it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I latched onto the emojis quick and early because <laughs> um, I'm a little expressive, as if you can't tell. And so uh, to be able to add those to my uh, texts and emails was powerful for me. But all the the multi, the, just the word salad, the, um, the alphabet salad of um, the LOLs out there. Um, just say it. Just tell me what you're trying to say. Don't make me guess. Right. Right. Well, for them, it's a language. I mean, they have the emojis. I mean, they can, they read that like we do. Uh, just reading regular English text. So. That, that is true. So one of your passions is um, in 
with the youth is in youth sporting uh, shooting, mm -hmm. uh, shooting sports. So talk to us about that. Is that mostly with your own uh, children or are you part of a, a larger program with that? I'm part of currently not so much because my kids are obviously grown now and my grandchildren are not old enough yet to uh, be involved in some of that. Although we do things here at the house uh, officially with an organization, they're not really old enough yet. Um, but yeah, my, um, my children, I was reached out two years ago and I don't even know it's been a decade probably or something like that and um, had a friend in the in the community uh, met up with him I want to say we was at a local gun shop when it actually when it went down and he said hey he said I talked to the uh, county agri-life extension agent who is uh, if you're not aware if you're out there and you're looking into some cool programs 4-H is obviously one of those and that is run through your agri-life extension program of the state and he said, uh, this agent had reached out to him and was looking for volunteers to become coaches because they had started an archery program for the county. And the guy that started the program through his job had to move to Dubai. And oh, that's a big said, move. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. And he said, uh, I know that you, know, you shoot all the time. You're knowledgeable. All of this good stuff. Your kids you know, shoot. Uh, you know, are you interested? I think I'm going to do this. And, and are you interested in helping out? And I said, well, let me talk to the kiddos and stuff. Let me see what's going on. But yeah, sure. And um, so talk that over. And I mean, it was it was a definite go. Honestly, I knew the answer. I just wanted to give myself a little uh, a little lead way there. But uh, I, I knew the answer and got back in touch with him, got with the extension agent, went through some training um, quickly learned a whole lot about uh, not just 4-H shooting sports, but 4-H in general. Um, from there, I kind of worked myself up. The, the gentleman that had asked me to come on board, uh, he actually took the role of club manager. Within a couple of years, I was a uh, club manager in the county, uh, worked at not just the club level in the county, but more of an executive level in the county. I've moved up into state instructor positions where I actually teach the coaches that teach the kids wow. and that sort of thing. So uh, it's been a very big part of my life for a long time. Uh, and the infrastructure with the organization and rules and regulations and what we can do and can't do and, and best practices, that's the cool thing about, um, I, I think, my position. And, and a lot of people – not to, to toot my own horn too much here, but a lot of people says, you know, you have a really interesting perspective. And I said, well, my training, and I do have NRA certifications. I have other things, but the vast majority of my training deals with youth shooting sports. And the key to that is youth. And when you go to these trainings, it's not about the techniques and the technical jargon and you know form and that sort of stuff so much as it is the youth development mm -hmm. and youth are just younger humans right <laughs> so <laughs> those those approaches and things that you learn through those trainings those can apply to adults as well so it creates for a, a cocktail of a pretty unique perspective absolutely and people that I mean, I do reach a, a, an audience of people that are in the middle ground. They, they're not quite sure what they think about this whole gun thing. 
And so some people out there listening might be going, uh, wait a minute, did you just say that you teach children <laughs> to shoot with guns? Oh my stars, gasp and clutch your pearls. Um, talk to us about what do kids learn when they're out handling firearms under the guidance of a trained counselor, a trained firearms instructor? What are they learning? The, well, the first, the first step is to get them into the program to start with, to get them to come out and even try, to get the parents willing to allow them to come out and try. Uh, and I'm really big into archery. And a lot of people don't associate archery with necessarily the Second Amendment or archery with shooting sports, but I think it's a really vital thing because it's sort of like a gateway drug. Um, even though archery uh, is a far more dangerous sport by and large than actual shooting sports with firearms, statistically it is. Look at all the points and pointy edges and other things that you're dealing with. Um, True. And and the and the the other thing is people assume archery is safer, so they pay a lot less attention, and so that plays into accidents and things like that as well. But we typically would use archery as that gateway a lot of times. So we would go to events, uh, different uh, festivals and things like that, and have little events and uh, do archery because that's easy to do. And then you get the people into archery. And, of course, they're, like I said, they're comfortable with that. And the, the popularity of the Hunger Games, obviously, and things like that have really helped with uh, archery as well. But you would get them in, and in our range days that we have, we would actually have a um, rifle, pistol, shotgun, uh, let's see, rifle, pistol, shotgun, archery, and muzzle loading going on at the same, on the same range at the same time. Wow. So when uh, you had these people that, that come out that were interested in joining, um, they come for a specific thing, but then they see all of these kids doing all of these other things. Now that said, that's getting them into it. Uh, the first thing without a doubt is, is safety. I mean, there's definite safety briefing and you know, as you, as you go through the trainings as a coach or an instructor or whatever, you start to learn identifiers. You, you pick up on the kids that are ADD, you pick up on the, you know, uh, that sort of thing really quick. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, I know I got to watch this kid a lot more than, I, than I've got to watch this kid. Mm -hmm. And over time, as those, those children, as they come out more and more, that's one of the great things about the shooting sports. I mean, you're instilling um, confidence, you're instilling discipline, you're in, and some of those kids take to it like a duck to water. And after just a few sessions, you don't have to worry about them. In fact, you can actually get them to help you with some of the kids that need other help. So you're utilizing uh, those kiddos. And, and I really love it when we see, and that's one of the, the great things about some of the podcasting I do and talking with a, a lot of the other kids in this realm is I really love the youth leaders in shooting sports because they, they really have a passion. And as you know, you're a, you're a mother, you're a grandmother. Um, kids listen to kids a lot better than they listen to adults sometimes. So uh, it's a dynamic that works. You can talk to those junior leaders because they're going to listen to you. Uh, and then they can relay that information down in a, uh, in a relevant way uh, to those younger kids or those other kids having trouble. So safety is definitely with, with acronyms, right? With acronyms. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, safety is, is the number one key. And, and I've always said for years, 
uh, you know, there's two cornerstones or linchpins, if you will, to youth shooting sports. Uh, number one is safety, got to be. And I think that's in firearms across the board, uh, period. And the second one, definitely, and this can also apply to adults if you're trying to get adults in the game. Um, and, and a close second behind safety, I think, is fun. You have to make it fun. Um, so that's what we always shot for. You want to uh, go into that range day or that practice. Uh, number one concern with safety. Make sure all those bases are covered. Uh, start the day off with something fun. End the day with something fun. And then do the actual coaching and, oh, we got to work on your form here and doing this and doing that uh, in the middle. That way they're excited when they get there because it's fun. They're excited when they leave when it's fun and they're wanting to come back for the next session, whenever that might be. That is awesome. So if somebody's out there, I hopefully, you know, if they were originally aghast thinking about training children with firearms, um, I hope you can start seeing it in a different light because really when it, getting kids and their parents out together, first of all, that's a win right there, right? And then that when they are training with a firearm, it's teaching them focus and follow through right? Responsibility. I love that leadership piece you talked about. Um, discipline. And also, I think, especially if they get caught up in it, and they like the idea of competing. Uh, I see a lot of times, you know, parents and, and the kids start trying to, you know, see who's got the, the better score with with their, uh, you know, their long range shooting or whatever. Um, but if you can instill that healthy level of competition in a child now you've got a lifelong learner this is somebody who's constantly going to want to try to improve on skills and figure out ways to do that all of these things are things you would want instilled in any child or grandchild in your life um, and so the benefits are just compounded on and on mm. well and and a lot of the uh, not not only the kids I've seen over the years you know hundreds of kids uh, thousands of kids really if you're looking statewide or, or whatever that have been through the program but one thing that you see through shooting sports in general when you're talking about youth um, yeah you see uh, all of that what, I don't know what is the what is the word what am I looking for um, <laughs> you see all of those principles and morals and yeah. and, uh, and attributes and things you see all that's come about and those kids behaviorally they're better i've seen kids come through with add and you know after several weeks or months they're better i've seen kids come through that were were having a tough time with a a, a multi-family split family situation you know something like that having time having problems making friends is a is a big one um grades you know schoolwork and things like that i mean i can't tell you uh, the number of kids I'd hate to even try to put a percentage on it but it's a very high percentage of kids that are into the shooting sports you don't have to worry about their grades <laughs> they're they're going to be you know a b on a roll if not all a on a roll it's just going to happen and why because again like you talked about that discipline and everything is just instilled in them and so they apply that to other things in their life uh, their, their schoolwork, their job later on whatever it might be well absolutely and when you Fine, we used to say, you know, find their candy, right? If that's their candy, if that's the thing that they love so much, 
then that is not only a powerful internal driver, like you said, but it's also one of those things that's like, ah, your grades are slipping. I don't know. Maybe we're going to have to skip the range this week. Hmm. Right. right. And it gets them focused back on track. And when you talked about kids like with ADD and, and that sort of thing, um, I don't know if you know, uh, shoot, his last name just left me, the Parkinson shooter, Dave. Check it, Dave. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. He actually lives Dave. not too terribly far from me. <laughs> so shaky Dave, for those of you who don't know who that is, this is a man who suffers with Parkinson's. I mean, he's, he is very shaky and I, I appreciate his sense of humor about his condition that he calls himself shaky Dave until he is on the range. And then he is solid steady. He's a machine at that point. He is. <laughs> it is the most incredible thing to watch because of all of the dopamine and the receptors and everything that's going on in his mind. When he's on the range, he is steady, not shaking at all. And so these are benefits to the shooting sports that you cannot quantify. And it's hard to help make sense to people uh, that will just want to sit in their corner and say, well, guns are bad, right? This AR-15 thing, I don't know, it's black and it's scary looking. Open your mind. Keep your mind open. Look around you. Look for this kind of information to see how much it really impacts in a positive way families, children, uh, and someone who has Parkinson's. It's, it's an incredible thing. Absolutely. So I wanted to move on and talk about this project that you're working on. And uh, when we were talking about, you know, the way that kids talk, you've got a little bit of lingo in here yourself. It's something called FUD Life, but the life is L-Y-F-E and FUD is uh, F-U-D-D. So what is this, this little bit of lingo called FUD Life? Well, I wanted to, first of all, with the Y in the life, I wanted to gangster it up a bit or gangsta i guess is uh, the way the kids were saying i wanted to be a little catchy so that's why we did that but um honestly i get i get tired of and and this is uh, totally across the spectrum um we want to put people in boxes all the time um and, and it's human nature whether we're democrat or republican or conservative or liberal or or anti-gunner or three percenter or a fud or whatever it might be everybody's got you know you got to put people in boxes and it's like why do you have to do that um and fud is one of them things that it gets it's got got to the point it got thrown around so much it was like okay um i've got to try to take this back somehow because people really don't they don't understand the root of the word fud and why that was applied to gun owners some gun owners in the first place and now they've morphed it into they're calling people that are straight up anti-gun FUDs. And that's not fair because there's people out there that may be on that fence. There's people out there that are gun owners and that might be reasonable and you might be able to reach them and talk them into becoming uh, more proactive, right? In uh, supporting and, and protecting the second amendment. But you've got people out there calling, calling them names or putting them into a box with, the likes of somebody like Bloomberg or Feinstein or, you know, somebody like that. Um, and that's, that's totally not fair. And then as I, I delved more into it and I looked into and, and thought about, um, you know, FUD life and the, and the principles and all that, 
uh, you look at the, the root word and it's, it's, it come essentially from Elmer Fudd. I mean, I think everybody gets that and he's got his shotgun and he's going to go hunt wabbits and he doesn't really supposedly care about anything else. But what people miss is the ignorance and ignorance is not a dirty word. Um, and sure. it's, it's become that way. I'm ignorant of a lot of things. I'm sure you are. And, and everybody is, uh, which I try to learn something new every day, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff in this world to learn. Mm -hmm. And ignorance is not a bad thing, but one thing that um, uh, Elmer Fudd was, which speaks to that, that root word of, of Fudd, is, is ignorance. You're doing things over and over, basically, and you're doing them oblivious and out of ignorance. Mm -hmm. So if you apply that the way that it should be applied to a firearm owner that is a Fudd, is this is a person that's not paying attention to what's going on in the community, in the 2A community, this is a person, but they're not a bad person. Mm -hmm. Okay, they, they own firearms. They go and they, let's say they duck hunt, right? And they, maybe they pay their dues to the NRA or the GOA because just like the people that vote and then think they're done, I'm done, I voted, right? These people pay their dues to these organizations and then they entrust these organizations to take care of their Second Amendment rights. So they're just, they're simply just oblivious and ignorant to what's going on. And at, I think at any point in time, and we talked about this on, on my podcast a little when I had you on, that there is some people seemingly come out of the womb as a three percenter, shall not be infringed and all of that. But most people, there was some kind of an awakening or turning point when they realized, oh, ah, I understand the Second Amendment and what's going on now. Well, up until that point, here's my question. Were you a FUD mm -hmm. up until you had that awakening? So if that's the case, then the vast majority of people that are firearm owners that are even activists and stuff nowadays were once a FUD. So are you once a FUD or are you always a FUD? That's the other aspect of FUD life that I want to deal with. Um, a lot of people, you, you know, you get into scenarios where they go, well, if gun compensation happens, right, if they do enact something and they do go door to door right and they go to your door and you prioritize your kids and your family and the people in your house over them taking your firearms in other words you're not going to take a stand and risk the life risking your life may be fine but you're not going to risk the life of your wife and your children or grandchildren or whoever else is in that household you're going to turn them over and then somebody calls you a fud for that Right. I mean, that kind of falls into the definition of FUD. You're kind of given you kind of given up on it in a way. Mm -hmm. So I think everybody comes from a state of FUDness, if you will, uh, and, <laughs> and are uh, and are subject at any time, depending on life experiences and things that go, you know, that go on uh, to revert back to that at times just depending on what they prioritize in their life. Life is a complicated thing. And I and I really suggest that that most people get out there and live it that's what's important is to get out and, and live your life and i think there's a lot of people that you know they they hyper focus on things a little bit too much rather than just getting out and living and and enjoy life and and sadly when you get out and you live and you enjoy life you're going to have different priorities at different given different given times within your lifetime i'm sure you know you can attest to that you've got way different priorities now you know than you had you know 10 years ago 20 years ago whatever mm -hmm. No, that's so true. And one of my huge frustrations with uh, having moved into this world of two-way advocacy 
First of all, it's been a wonderful journey and 99.9% of the people I've interacted with have been warm. They have been very generous with their own uh, knowledge and areas of expertise and spent tons of time helping me and my audience understand their particular area of expertise better, that sort of thing. 99% have been great. But there is this infighting that goes on and this this buttery, fudding, fudding of each other, however you want to put that, kind of goes along with that. It's like there are people that um, they just feel like, well, whatever I believe is really the one and only right way to, to speak about the Second Amendment, to, um, you know, expect others around me to believe in the Second Amendment and enact the Second Amendment. And we are we don't even need the anti-gun people, right? Because we are. I think that way. Yes. We are so <laughs> busy trying to, um, and I don't even know. Some of it is not even about necessarily uh, the other person. It's that we're trying to elevate ourselves. That we are so so wise, and we are so so trained, and we are so so whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we're doing such a huge disservice to uh, the idea of what it's going to take to protect and preserve mm-hmm. for the next generation our Second Amendment rights. Because that, that was Ronald Reagan who said that. And when we run our regular shows, we actually open each show with that. He's giving a speech with that, um, that group of sentences where he said, it, freedoms and liberties are not passed along in our DNA. And if we are not instilling those things in our children and our children's children, then we're going to, it's one generation away from dying and we're going to sit in a rocking chair one day and just talk about what life used to be like when we had our freedoms. Um, So truly the people that spend so much of their time and energy just poking, not even fun. I mean, everybody, you know, it's, yeah, so, all in, in jest and fun, and a lot of us do rip on each other and, and yeah. that sort of thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, everybody does it, but yeah, yeah the ones that are really serious is, is um, yeah, it's a little bit disheartening. It is, and because, so if I was somebody who's in that middle space and I'm trying to decide, well, I would, I think, I would love to get involved with being an advocate, and so do I join this three-letter group? Oh, don't join them because they're blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Well, how about if I join this three-letter group that's an uh, advocate for the set? Oh, well, they just cave on everything. Well, it, you know, and so at what point do I say, you know what? Y'all work yourselves out and let me know when you really want me to come in and help. Right. No, I, t- I totally get it. I mean, it's it's – it goes into that situation and, and we're not talking about those that have, you know, those that are anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment zealots. I mean, at that point, that's a whole different ball of wax and a whole different conversation. We're talking about those that, you know, really don't care one way or another. Um, and that's a dangerous, it's a dangerous place to be. And it's a dangerous place to be because if you look at it on a spectrum, uh, the left being anti-Second Amendment, the right being, let's say, the three percenters, uh, and you've got a dead center, and in that center is a fence. 
the ones leaning on the left on the left side of the fence their mindset is well i don't really care for guns i don't necessarily like guns and i don't really care if the government infringes on those rights and takes all of that away i don't really care one way or the other the people leaning on the right side of the fence are very similar to the people on the left with the exception that they appreciate and understand that it's a constitutional right and they will stand with anybody to the right of that fence even though they're not going to partake in that liberty themselves we will respect your right and stand with you against that so when we talk about these conversations and moving people people get this misconception and they talk whether they're talking like i said to a, a hardened zealot or whatever the case may be um and then they get this misconception that every everybody is that way and the problem is the people that are just on the other side of the fence all you have to do is get them to hop the fence that's it yeah. Now, if we can move them further, that's great. If we can introduce them to shooting sports and hunting and get them more involved and, and oh, good Lord, get them into, you know, protecting themselves, taking the responsibility uh, for their personal protection and that sort of thing, that's super great. But really, all we have to do is get them to jump the fence. Wow. No more. That's really, really well said and, and brilliant imagery because – it, it is those teeny tiny little increments that have brought us to where we are right now, right? We go in teeny tiny little increments and then maybe there's this big law that jumps in and gobbles up a bunch of our rights, but then it's teeny tiny little increments. So, and the other thing that I liked about what you said is that, um, and my daughter, several years ago, she was, I think, still in her teens when she said this to me and I, I had to stop and kind of look at her for a minute and go, that's my kid. High five me. Right. But right. She, she said, you know what, mom, you can actually be, you can be anti-gun and yet pro rights. Absolutely. And truly I did. I had to kind of stop and look at it for a minute. Cause it, 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 for a second I was like, well, you fud. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's, yeah, that is, that is literally leaning against the fence on the right side of the fence. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just that there's just one, one little thing that separates. And the beauty of it is the, that one little thing is our constitution, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's literally the fence. Either you're on the, you know, the left side of it or the right side of it. It's, it's that simple where you're at on the spectrum from there. Uh, we can debate that and argue that and, what do we need to do? But when you're talking about infringement upon liberties, right? Uh, it, it's one or the other. It's really that simple. Right. And so if you were somebody who was, I could care less about guns and I really would, I never want to own one and I'd prefer if my neighbors don't own one, I'm anti-gun, but I'm pro-rights. That means, so live and let live. Just because I don't believe in this doesn't mean I'm going to, to impose that right. on my neighbor. I'm going to ask the government to put their boot on the neck of my neighbor mm -hmm. and you know how are we engaging those kind of people we can't even engage ourselves if we're not you know reach, reaching a, pers uh, a perfectionist standard there's no way we're going to be able to reach people that have that kind of um you know nuanced way of thinking mm -hmm. yeah well it goes back to i mean there's a lot of people i'm not a sports guy i don't play baseball i could care less i mean how much crime how many assaults things like that are committed every year with a baseball bat i don't know the numbers but i'm sure there are some 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's safe to say there there is a positive number of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to go out, even though I could care less about baseball, and say that hey, we need to regulate baseball bats. I mean, that's that's silly for me to do that. So yeah, I mean, if you put it within, um, and, and when you're talking with these people, if you can put it into a relatable context, um, it matters as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so it is important for us to to know what our rights are, instill those rights in our children and our grandchildren uh, to reach out and and talk to in some way, whether it's writing, whether it's calling, whether it's visiting our elected officials, because they are our representatives. How are they supposed to represent us if they never hear from us? We sit back and like you said, well, I paid my check to the NRA, so I'm done. No, you're not done. (laughs) Something to keep in mind with this um because this is a pet peeve of mine um people always it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter if this is the recent issue with walmart and open carry or whatever the mess is going on with that or whether it's a politician or an, an anti to a law or whatever it is people are always well i emailed i posted on their social media i did that you know i did this i did that but they fail to realize that the lazier the method of communicating with said party the less impact that method is going to have and posting on social media emailing those sorts of things are bottom of the rung bottom of the barrel Mm -hmm. if you want to get effective learn how to write letters learn how to address an envelope i understand for the younger folks out there they don't teach that anymore uh for heaven's sakes if you have children and grandchildren teach them how to address and stamp an envelope um, but yeah, you can type it on your computer and print it out. That's fine. But you have to know how to mail a letter, but actually write a letter. And then, you know, the step above that is to, to visit. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're close enough and you're able to, uh, visit those people that you have grievances with or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third component of that, of course, is, is being civil with, with everything, being thought out and logical and, and civil. Um, you know, when we get, uh, people talk about the uh, the left side of the political spectrum on any given topic all the time. And they said, well, they're illogical and they rant and they rail and they throw a fit and all this other kind of stuff. And, you know, when we do that, I go back to, uh, you know, talking about Reagan and I don't remember the year, but it was a primary or something was going on. And he was uh, one of the favorite uh, lines from him. And again, I'm going to paraphrase, but, you know, he was talking about the differences between Republicans and Democrats. And uh, for me, this is not about party. This is about what we should be doing if we want people to see our side and come to our side. And he says what we need, uh, he said, is we need bold colors, not the pale pastels. And what he was getting at is we've got to be different. We've got to create a stark contrast between what we do and how we do it and what they're doing and how we do it. So, um mm-hmm. If they're ranting and railing and screaming at the top of their lungs, we need to be calm and collected and present our present our case and present our facts and be cordial and be civil and all of those things that that side is not. So when you're speaking to, to these people, the politicians and stuff, just remember, Matt, I mean, you, you don't have to respect the politician as a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we've got a lot of politicians that are horrible people. Mm-hmm. Um, but respect the position that they hold as a representative, at least respect the position enough uh, to do those things, to be civil and, and do all of that. 
Well, and also be a little bit of a strategist. Is that a word? Right? Like practice some strategy. Uh, somebody wrote me recently on Facebook and said, you know, well, they've been kind of because they were very fiery. They've gotten kind of blackballed in the the rights you know community. So if there's a town hall or something, it's like, no, sir, you cannot come in because your previous behavior prevents that. He's lost his voice. Yep. So that that's forever, possibly. Yep. So be smart and respect the office, right? And just speak intelligently, speak respectably to your adversaries. And, and if, if one of your elected officials, you know, maybe we were, I, I don't remember if it was on your show or not. We were talking about Dan Crenshaw. You're in Texas. He's in Texas. He's been taking a bunch of heat for remember, but it could have been, but yeah, he's definitely been talked about a lot. <laughs> We're kind of floating the idea of, well, maybe we should look at these red flag gun laws. And then people like lost their minds. Okay, so thing one, I don't hate that that people became animated because that tells me, okay, we haven't completely fallen into total apathy on our side. We right. can still get woken up out of our slumber and go, wait a minute, what what are you what, saying? I voted. What did you say? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um but but the other side is that he is now not garbage, right? And that's the way that, you know, it's like play by play, phrase by phrase, one minute people are hero worshiping, the next minute, oh, he said something I didn't like, he is garbage, right? He's a, a wolf in sheep's clothing or a rhino or whatever. Now, you know, you kind of consider the character of a person. And you've got to consider, well, how, how has he voted in the past? And, you know, these kinds of things. And is he hearing from all of his constituents, right? If he's only hearing from the constituents who are yelling and screaming at him or talking to him nicely and saying, hey, red flag gun laws make a lot of sense to me, mm -hmm. he has to represent that voice. Or he should, yeah. <laughs> right. If, if we're just sitting home keyboard warrioring, to each other about what a jerk he is, you're doing nothing. Mm -hmm. You have to help him represent you. Um, and so that's one thing that frustrates me is when people do that, like play by play, somebody's either the greatest thing ever or they're total garbage. And uh, I think we, we cut our no own nose off to spite our face in those ways. No, I mean, I, I agree. And for me, it goes back to a little bit, it goes back to that ignorance I spoke of earlier and, and there's a lot of people that are ignorant of uh, the political theater or political strategy which is you know you go to college for that you literally go to colleges for that type of thing uh, it is a thing and what do they do well they will and deal with each other in such a way to try to get things that they want or get things you know make things happen that they want and sometimes people call it 4D chess, 5D chess, 13D chess in some cases. Um, so the whole idea of political strategy, because of Trump and, and all of that stuff that's went on uh, since Trump got elected, he's really, I don't know, tainted, I guess, his presidency anyway, has tainted uh, the whole notion, and, and nobody takes political strategy serious. But political strategy is a thing. Sometimes you have to meet with those that you don't really want to meet with. Sometimes you have to listen to those that you don't really want to listen to. Sometimes you have to put your name on a bill, even though you, you know you're not going to vote for it in mm -hmm. the end. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but just to get that, like you were talking about earlier with the guy that got kicked out of the town hall or whatever, right? He couldn't come back. Well, if you don't have that access, mm-hmm. then how are you going to be able to fight that? You know, when we go to war, we, you know, we're looking at potentially having to go to, what do we do? We send in recon, we send in spies, we send in spec ops, you know, and they gather intelligence and figure all of this out. Well, they're in the belly of the beast. And sometimes the optics look horrible. I totally agree. The optics look horrible, but until that vote is made, until the dude casts the vote, let's not crucify him. Not completely. Right. Uh, let's say, hey, the, you know, call it for what it is. The optics are bad. I, we really got to watch this dude because he seems wishy-washy at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but until he casts the vote, you don't really know what the play is. Mm-hmm. And that's so true. Um, and I was thinking while you were saying that, that uh, one of my uh, friends who's in the media in general, um, Chuck Holton, he was on NRA TV and he's on Christian Broadcasting Network. He was doing a, he, one of the early um, Antifa whatever mobs that, that were going on right after President Trump was elected. He was there with his camera and his son, actually. I was like, what are you doing there with your son? Oh, my gosh. Um, and so the crowd started getting really aggressive and somebody tried to knock his camera out of his hand and that sort of thing. And he engaged in verbal judo. He said, hey, I'm with you, guys. I'm with you, right? Because that was the best thing to do at the moment so that he didn't get murdered, right? right. Um, and uh, I think that there you could draw a line of comparison sometimes to the way that our elected officials have to maneuver in the system, just as you were saying. And uh, it... it is difficult to be the spectator sitting back here at home going, well, what'd you say that for? You could have said, you know, any other thing or, you know, it's no different. It's no different than a Sunday afternoon or a Monday night and going, why did they run the ball when they could have passed it? It's there's no difference for the sports fans and the football season has started. So for all the football fans out there, politics (laughs) is no different than that, that football game when you're sitting there armchair quarterback and it's no different. It's so true. Um, so, you know, at least support the team, you know, let them know what you think they should do with the next time they get that ball uh, by calling and writing and, and visiting um, the elected, our elected officials. And what I said to this gentleman that um, pretty much lost his voice is, so you can teach others, right? You can help others understand this is what I did I shouldn't have, here's a better way I could have engaged. And, you know, maybe start with some, some people who are just getting into the political realm, Um, help them build their campaign, get behind people you, you believe in, and maybe you can restore your voice that way. Um, But it's, it's a rough world we live in right now because of social media and so forth. The minute you hit post, it's forever. It is. Even if you do, even if you delete it, inevitably somebody gets somewhere has screenshot it. So it's, yeah. it's forever. Okay. And even, you know, the things that we hit the little like button on, I'm, I'm hearing people saying that, you know, uh, who was I talking to earlier today? Uh, he's a fellow podcaster, Adam Wilson. He's a police officer. And he was saying that there was a captain who was getting ready to go to, or somebody that was getting ready to go to captain school or something. And his career was about to move up. 
and he hit the like on something that was Trump related, something that Trump had posted, the guy got fired. His career is interrupted. And, and as I'm scrolling through, sometimes my thumb just bumps that little, that little heart sometimes. I'm thinking, it's, has it really come to that now? Like I can't even just hit the little heart without people actually losing their minds and, and trying to reach into my life and, and cause me disruption. It's, it's become a little bit way too crazy, but we, again, we have to practice strategy. We have to engage in kind of that, that mental and, and uh, verbal judo with our adversaries and, and be able to outsmart the haters. Really? That's, yeah. that's really our best play. It, you know, and it's a, there's a positive to that. And the same thing is a positive when you said you, you click post and it's forever. That's all. There's also a positive to that. Um, because of the conversations like we're having now, the conversations like numerous people are having day to day to day, uh, that it's great to be a fly on the wall, to be hearing those conversations and whatever. Mm -hmm. Let's take a scenario where, Okay, let's say in the next 10 years we do. Let's say in the next 10 years the Second Amendment's completely, uh, they, they repeal it within the next 10 years. It's, it's, it, it happens, right? All of these conversations that we've had over the years, they're going to be out there somewhere. And some generation somewhere is going to find those and go, look at what these people did. Look at the fight they put up. Look at what they tried to do. Can, could that possibly lead to a whole new generation demanding their freedoms back mm. and actually winning their freedoms back. It's, mm. it's possible, but if we don't have the, the, the means and uh, everything like the social media, that, that the content lasts forever and it's out there forever and anybody can find it, then uh, yeah, that's, that's the drawback to, I guess, to saying it's forever and you know, it's, it's, there's so much bad to it. I don't know. I think there's, I think it, it, I think there's a healthy balance. I think it's, there's just as much good as bad. Um, and I would hate to see a, a world where we couldn't do the good. Wow. I really like that. And that will encourage me, uh, the next time I'm so frustrated with, uh, <laughs> the fact that, you know, there should be a, a statute of limitations on, on, uh, social media stupidity, right? right. Yeah. Growing up, I mean, right. Holy right. moly. Well, I mean, you've got to, and this, I mean, this goes back to, I think the whole theme of, of what we've been talking about today is, you know, you've got to, you've got to look for that silver lining. You got to figure out, okay, this is a negative situation, but how, how do we turn it into a positive? You know, um, the Walmart thing, right? Well, Walmart's not going to sell ammo or they're not going to do that. Who knows what they're going to actually do. They haven't really done anything yet. Right. Uh, but, supposedly they're not going to sell ammo and, and this, that, and the other. Okay. Well, that's horrible. Agree. Where's the positive? And, and you're, you're on board with this. Go I have a small mom. gun shop. Exactly. So. <laughs> Go to your local gun shop. They need your business anyway. Yes. Go there. That's, that's the positive is now it's forced our hand to do a positive thing. Something that we should have been doing all along. Yeah. And we push people to the local gun shops. How many small businesses have people talked about over the years that these big mega stores like a Walmart has put out of business? Well, if now they're, they're little virtue signaling and wait, let me straighten up my halo uh, because I'm not going to sell these particular kinds of things anymore. 
you're right. That is going to, that isn't going to cause people to suddenly go, you know what? I guess I don't need bullets after all. No, <laughs> they're still going to find a source and hello, acfirearms.com. I can be that source. As long as you have been engaged in your state, in your city, and you have not allowed them to take your rights away. We just did a drawing recently for a firearm at a big well-armed woman um, event. And the prize was a, it was a Glock and it, we had engraved it with the well-armed woman on one side and my little uh, polka dots are my camo <laughs> hashtag on the other side. Cause that was my speech that night. Woman was so excited. Guess where she lives? California. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> and so I said, well, is it just this model of Glock? Like what? She goes, no, I absolutely, I can't, I can't have it. And so I was like, well, I guess it was fun to hear your name called, but uh, you know, so things like that. And then take, take a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, she can't and have this particular gun and I, and she did want it because it had the engraving and stuff, but she'll end up with a, a certificate where she can get something that is legal in her state. But how ridiculous is that? How sad is that? So fight for your rights and then come shop at easy firearms. <laughs> exactly. I'll second that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just as we start wrapping up the, the, the legislative efforts in Texas, you know, people want to say, well, Texas is, you know, all things are bigger in Texas and so are your rights. You guys have got like every, no, it really, no, no, I don't, I don't remember. And it, it, it changes all the time because of different legislation being passed elsewhere. I don't know where we rank, but we've, we're probably in the low teens from the most pro gun state. I mean, we're not at the top for sure. Um, yeah, but I, you know, we're moving in despite some of the things that have been said lately. I think since you contacted me to do this, and, and today I think that uh, with Dan Patrick and with, uh, with with Abbott and some of the others, uh, uh, Governor and Lieutenant Governor, in case anybody's wondering, uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and, and Governor Abbott, um, they've said some things lately that uh, are a bit alarming. Now, do I think that any of that's going to happen? Eh, probably not. Um, and it's because of the way Texas works. I mean, our legislation doesn't meet, but every two years, thank goodness. So uh, really? the less they, the less they meet, the less they can screw things up. So uh, that works. And by the time we just had one this year, so we're looking at two years down the road and hopefully uh, with the tragedies, with the things that occurred here in Texas, hopefully two years from now, that puts a little bit of distance that gives people time to get, uh, again, people to reach out to the representatives, as you suggested, and give them a little more perspective on things. Uh, for example, the, the whole Midland Odessa thing, uh -huh. um, there was a headline that read that really aggravated me, uh, especially being from Texas, that aggravated me was it said hours after the, you know, uh, Midland shooting, Odessa shooting, whatever, however it said, Texas loosens gun regulations. Like, the event happened, and the legislators just immediately went in and loosened gun reg. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Back That's up. happening for a they, long time. They loosened these months ago. Yeah. They just went into effect now. Right. And then on top of that, the, the regulations that they loosened, they had to do with 
like private property rights and having a gun in a subdivision and carrying a gun in an in a, uh, evacuation emergency and things of that. It had nothing to do. It, it, none of it would have even remotely affected or, or been effective with preventing that particular incident. So, um, yeah, some of the headlines that you get and all of that. But, you know, I, I talk about all the time, and Texas is one of the things, and being involved with legislation and things here in Texas, you start to, if you're paying attention, you start to gain a little perspective. I talk, I talk a lot about about relishing those small wins. Mm. And one thing that happens here in Texas, like I said, we got 10 or 12, I think it was this session, uh, pro to a pro-gun bills passed, looser regulation, so to speak. Um, the flood of anti-bills that get defeated every year far surpass the amount of pro stuff uh, that even gets introduced. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're playing the numbers game is what they're doing. We all know what, what they're doing when they'll, they'll submit 20 or 30 bill, you know, anti-gun bills a session and only five or six or 10, you know, uh, pro 2A bills. We know what they're doing. They're, they're playing the odds is, is what they're doing. They're trying to stack the deck. Um, but it's a win. It's a win when you can get out from under and, and when those anti-bills don't see the light of day, that's a win. We need to put that in the win column and say, hey, look, we, we stopped these. It's, it's the same analogy with you know, bringing, up, bringing up football. Um, if you've got to do a defense that keeps the other team from scoring, right? You celebrate that. You go, hey, my team, our team is the number one rated defense. Well, let's start relishing those those victories because that's what they are. That's so true. I I think that that's uh, a good perspective to have. Um, it just feels like I think we're there's just a constant onslaught, 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 and we're so busy trying to figure out how to fight the next one that we never do take that moment and go, hey. Let's do that end zone dance thing, right? Whatever they do. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, don't, right. I don't watch sports, but. <laughs> and it seems constant. I hear that they do that, so. It, uh, it seems constant because we're dealing, I mean, let's face it, we're dealing with 50 states and then the federal government. So it's going to yeah. seem constant. It's just going to. There's yeah. so much going on. It's just a level of bureaucracy and government and how it all works that that's the nature of the beast, unfortunately. That is so true. And uh, the other thing I was going to say, and then we'll start wrapping up, is that uh, in no other place in our lives would we ever advise our children or our children's children to make a life-altering decision in the throes of emotion. No other place would we ever say that that was a smart thing to do. But when it comes to our, our rights, our gun rights, that's exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. And there really should be a, a cooling off period. And I'm not one that's always saying, well, there ought to be a law, right? Because, you know, there's a lot of unintended consequences if there ought to be a law. Right. But there should just be an understanding, I think, that our legislators they have to remember, wait a minute, when I was elected, I raised my hand and I said, I will protect and defend this document, the things, the ideas, the ideals in this document, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And so is what I'm about to do in the throes of emotion consistent with that, mm -hmm. right? You need time 
for your your mind and your body to settle into that and come back to well this thing feels right but wait a minute what does what did i promise what did i dedicate myself to do and what would that require of me right now i just think there should be an understanding uh, among our elected officials that they would take that moment and not immediately rush into, well, let's write a bill, or I already wrote this bill just waiting for this moment to happen. Bam, here it is, right? Right. Well, hastiness has become the flavor of the day. I mean, look at technology. We've got information at our fingertips at, a, at an instant. We've got, you know, movies on demand at an instant. we got just everything is at an instant, you know. Um, Amazon stuff delivered within hours via drone, you know, that sort of stuff. So... <laughs> It's, it's understandable, but seldom does, does, does hastiness lead to anything good. And, and my mind goes to all of the, I don't think I've ever once made a wise eBay purchase at three o'clock in the morning. You know? <laughs> I mean, I just don't think I ever have. Um, now, if I put it in my cart or something, they went back to it the next day, maybe so. But yeah. if I put, if I no no pun in, intended, if I pull the trigger at three o'clock in the morning, I'm usually getting something in the mail in a few days and going, why in the world did I order this? This was so <laughs> that's like thinking, yeah. And, and that's just life. It, everything's going to work that way. I mean, we need to be able to take the time, uh, you know, educate ourselves about whatever we're looking into, mm -hmm. um, you know, be it buying a refrigerator, a washer, a dryer, or uh, legislation that's being proposed. I mean, we need to educate, educate ourselves and then try to make the best, most informed decisions possible. That's so true. That's so true. Well, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for educating our youth uh, with firearms. Uh, thank you for being such a calm and rational and rare voice of reason out there in this gun debate. Uh, we need more of those kinds of voices. And I know that you're impacting those that, that listen to you. And uh, I just really appreciate you. So just as we go out, uh, Chris Dover, please tell folks how they can follow you and follow the work that you do and learn a little bit more about CloverTech. The easiest place to do that is uh, clovertack.com. It's that simple. It's easy to remember. It's easy to spell. It's, it's uh, quick to type in. So just jump on there. There's a social media carousel. If there's a platform out there, we're on it. Um, and we work it pretty heavy, too. So uh, we got a social media kind of carousel on the website. So just go to clovertech.com. Scroll through that until you find the platform that you love. Different people like different things. Uh, there's also more information. Uh, hopefully going to get the stuff with the the podcast more like the, the Gun Freedom Radio website. I'm kind of going to steal some ideas for you guys. Please hopefully do. in the near future and get some of that set up because I really like you all site and the way it's set up. So, um, But as far as making contact, our website works really great for that. Uh, we're obviously on uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Bull 30, Gun Streamer, uh, all of that good stuff. All the branding is consistent everywhere you, you go. It's CloverTac, so it's that simple. Uh, look for the uh, little leprechaun or look for the uh, clover. You found it. I mean, it's it's pretty easy. Uh, and then the FUD Life Project, uh, that's primarily we push that through Instagram more than anything. It's at FUD Life. Remember, it's, it's spelled gangsta with a Y, F-U-D-D-L-Y-F-E. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're always working the, the various platforms, putting different content out. Uh, trying to get people more educated, more aware, more on board. And, and honestly, like, I, like we've been saying, kind of focusing on some of the positives. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, thank you again so much. I really appreciate you, Chris Dover of CloverTech. And stick around. We've always got lots more coming up on Gun Freedom Radio.